healthy beast. Part of my reason for starting this podcast is that a few years ago I was forced really to start taking my health seriously. I've told this story loads of times before, so the brief version, partly my fault, partly bad luck. Ten years ago I was on a stag do, everybody very, very drunk. That's the my fault bit. I said everybody to try and avoid too much personal responsibility. But anyway, at some point during that night I fell through an unsafe hotel room window. That's the less my fault part. So anyway, I fell 24 feet, 7-8 metres, onto the tarmac below, smashed my legs up. Doctors put me back together, metal struts and bolts, rough few months. After which I managed to get back to a normal-ish life. Normal but kind of physically a bit slow-paced. Then a few years ago, about four years, I decided I would try something a bit more strenuous. That's when I met today's guest, Thomas Ritzewski. Absolutely nobody calls him. Polish Tommy, Sensei Tommy. He's head instructor at the Roger Gracie Academy in Richmond in West London. He's an interesting guy as well as being a jiu-jitsu instructor. He's got some fancy city job, which I don't exactly understand. He's also my friend, so forgive me if the conversation wanders a little bit. Might even mention Brexit at some point. You know what they're like. But he at least he does it when he's talking about his escape from war-torn Poland. It wasn't really war-torn because he was born in the 80s, but that's how I like to think of it. I actually owe Tommy a lot. He's a really great teacher. And the impact for me of doing this martial art has been massive. Because I've had a lot of physical knocks. And I'm in my mid-40s now. But despite this, I feel mostly better than ever. Stronger than ever. And in some ways, jiu-jitsu, and Tommy's been a huge part of this, has been responsible for my physical recovery as much as the doctors who put my legs back together. So, welcome, my friend, Polish Tommy. Can you hear me, right? The only thing I would ask, if you um, you have you, to sit well, up straight. Okay. No, the only thing is, if, it's oh. basically me coming around and breaking your balls. Right? <laughs> so I have to, around, so I have to, to have sit here like yeah. I'm I knew, the detention. I, I knew you were going to be difficult. That was the thing. We discussed this before, didn't we? I've come around to your house. I've made, <laughs> I've made you fashion coasters out of tea towels. I look ridiculous. Yeah. This is always going to be the problem. I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought that my swearing was going to be the problem, not my fidgeting. Swearing is, there are certain things. All you have to, all basically you have to think is, is there anything that could, well, it's good, it's beyond a, that, you can it's say It's a, a good, good rule is, when you're doing something and you're saying something, you say, would you be happy if that was on the front page of New York Times? Do, you, ever, do you think about this when you're emailing people? It depends think, who I'm emailing. But do you think what would happen if, I tend to think yeah. if it's embarrassing, I don't mind, but if it's something that, I don't know, that you could get in big trouble for, because everyone's done that work thing where they've sent something to the wrong person. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of the things people write on some WhatsApp groups, you think you could, if a list of, if some people's employers were seeing things they've... A bit easily, but that, 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 I guess the bigger problem is that you can like be the passive recipient of filth on WhatsApp and you mm. can get done for it, right? Because it's on your phone. So if you have the settings that you save every video that people send you and then somebody looks at your phone, it doesn't matter if you've seen it or not, actually. Cause, but because it's stored on your phone, is that enough? Yeah, it's that enough to get you done. So, so this is so this Crazy is going well. in an unexpected yeah, direction. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you about being fit and proper in another way. The fact that the fact that you are now <coughs> British, right? Yeah, you've renounced your Polishness. I, I have not. I didn't have to renounce my Polishness. I just no. have to. I, I just had to swear my allegiance to the Queen and and, and say that I'm going to respect and obey the laws of the land. For most people who grew up here, you hear these things about the citizenship tests, and the, the one thing I notice is they ask them questions that I don't know the answer to. 
Yes, I had this thing in the office where, so, so that's the life in the UK test, the famous well, one, yeah. which you have to do when you apply for your, for your residency, or citizenship, yeah. Um, and it's, it's this, this test where you have to have like a 70% pass mark, um, and they do ask you some, some funky questions. But I had a book in the office with, with sample exams, and I used to offer it to my British friends from the office and told them, like, you know, we'll go even odds for a fiver or for a tenner if you can actually pass the test. So if, if British people could get some. Yeah, so yeah, and then none of them managed. None? None. What sort of things are we talking? What, like, so, so, so you, you get the, the kind of the easy ones where they ask you about, you know, the, 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 the big cities or the capitals to more obscure ones, which is like the past Olympic gold medalists to even more obscure ones where, you know, historic dates. Like I mean, you've got to know about Daley Thompson. I think that's... Yeah, yeah, that's yes. Very, that's that's fair so Steve Redgrave is, yeah. a, is, is a popular question. But, um, Pinson, it's all right, don't worry yeah, about that. No. But, yeah, you got to know he the did, main he, he did well with the banner when he was carrying it in one hand. That was kind of very impressive. Yeah. So it's a funny anecdote, you know, like the... I think he did it because like, there's there some, some Russian guy in the 60s that carried it in one hand and he kind of... Oh, which ones? Are we, who, who did this? Which, which of them? Like, Daly so, or...? No, Pinson. Oh, Pinson, that was Pinson. Yeah, when he was the, 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 the carrying the banner for, yeah, for UK, yeah. he, he did it in one hand and then kind of, that was, that was because he saw some Russian guy in the 60s or something, I think he was a weightlifter who carried it proudly in one hand See, in front of him. I didn't know about this, so I'm automatically failing my citizenship test, but I wasn't already here. No, but the, the, the real difficult questions are the, the one like what percentage of population of the UK lives in Scotland or what percentage of the population of the UK is Hindu. See, it's nobody kind of, knows that. Well, literally, you, you know it for about <laughs> two days before the test and then you instantly forget yeah. it. There's this, <laughs> the brain has this amazing mechanism of just clearing that information out and you forget it really, really quickly. But is, is there, what are the benefits to doing it? What do you... I think it just filters the lazy ones, I would say. Do you mean that they, they you, requires you, you to do change, some... What changes in your life now that you... Oh, so, so, so you mean the test? Or yeah, the yeah, well, yeah. No, I understand that the reason that the test is to keep those, those sort of people happy that say they come over here and they don't learn the language and they... I think the it? test is like, it's, it's a bit like, you know, like when you have to write a covering letter for a job interview, right? So it's kind of like they make it a little bit more difficult for you to do it so that you actually have to put some effort into doing it. Right. So, you know, like when you, if you only send your CVs, then you can send it to 150 places, you know, in a day. But if they make you fill out a form or something like this, then they, they you know, they, they automatically filter out people who, who are willing to spend a bit of time doing this. So I think it's kind of the same in the UK, you know, like with, with this test. I don't think anybody who, who, who kind of like governs or, or kind of is in charge of this test thinks that this test is in any way necessary for somebody to be a Brit. I think it, it's more about the fact that, you know, that you, you, you put an obstacle and so you, you're only getting the people who are actually going to make a conscious effort to, to do it. I think so. And why did you decide to do it? What was the because Theresa May said that I should not worry about as soon as she said don't worry you start yeah, as soon worry. as the, as soon as the prime minister says you know you should there's nothing to worry about then you should start worrying about and that applies internationally that's probably that's probably a good way of looking at lots of things isn't it don't worry as soon as someone says like well if your builder comes to you i'm sorry the polish person has to bring up the builder right but like if you talk about what you know <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. if your plumber <laughs> yeah. comes okay, to your calls He's you up when you're in the office <laughs> stick to your area of, of competence <laughs> yeah. 
if your plumber tells you, like calls you up and says, ah, listen, there's a leak, but uh, don't worry about it, I got this, then that's when you have to get an Uber and come home and <laughs> contain the damage. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it, don't worry, I'll, I'll figure it out. But that's kind of what she said, right? I mean, I understand that she was in a precarious position because she, you know, the, the rights of the EU citizens in the UK were one of the bargaining chips in the negotiations of the EU, right? Yes. So she couldn't actually guarantee anything while she was negotiating, so I understand that perfectly, right? But for us, it was, well, you're not given us anything all you said is don't worry about it but even now you know we, we are two and a half months away from brexit and no nobody knows what, what's going to happen what are going to be the actual rules for us to stay whether we'll automatically be allowed to stay or whether it's going to be you know the case of they're going to introduce some sort of like a point system for for like in australia you know like special skills age i try very hard in all, all areas of my life try not to discuss Brexit at all at every opportunity but did you as a person who's not from here originally did you feel any different well I think for us Brexit definitely had more of an emotional emotional impact I mean I mean so so the the political debates are very much about like the merits of remaining in the UK or not and stuff but the night of Brexit uh, votes like the Polish cultural center got trashed And, and people like wrote in graffiti on it saying, you know, go home, this is not your country, etc., etc. So, so there is that that part of it that you think, you know, I'm not sure what percentage of it, but there are some people who voted for it for the wrong reasons. You know, that people that, you know, to a certain degree, that that definitely that vote kind of made a lot of people feel unwelcomed here. As in, like everybody has to have an opinion. It's like you, you don't hear very many people saying that i think i mean the, the two things that we undoubtedly have learned from brexit is one is the fact that truth is not as valuable as it used to be so so the whether you're pro brexit or against brexit the, the quality of political debate it was horrible you know the, the, there's so much misinformation that was i remember probably you know I, I guess it was maybe before the social media where, where most of the information that you got got were from kind of official sources, right? Newspapers mm. and, 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 and TV and everything. And, and they were held accountable for what they're broadcasting, right? A, pol- a politician that, that, that was caught lying or, or, or saying something that was misleading would be ostracized back then, right? Because now it's not the case. We kind of, you know, you, you see with Trump, you see with with the famous, you know, 350 million a week <coughs> thing. And you realize that you can get away with saying a lot of things that are not necessarily true. And then mm. even when, you know, you, you get picked up on it on TV and then they put you on the spot and you they make you explain it, you can still dodge the topic. So, so I think that the quality of political debate went down massively. So that's, I think, one fact. And the other one is, I would say that the fact that our well, this government's ability to execute something is pretty low as well. So, you know, if you think that they've got, they've had two years to, you know, negotiate something decent and organize and give people like an idea of what's going to happen and how this Brexit is going to look like, we're two months away and people are still confused. Nobody quite understands what's going to happen to the backstop. No, nobody understands whether, you know, no. the, the access to free market and freedom of movement and stuff, what's going to happen with it and whether it's going to be, you know, the deal or no deal Brexit or whether they're going to extend it or not or is there going to be a referendum and how it's going to work so it's like it looks like the execution was pretty poor as well so yeah can I, I, can I ask you about something political that I yeah. find more interesting yeah in your escape from behind the Iron Curtain oh yeah <laughs> sorry that's all right. yeah 
<coughs> thus my great love of, of champagne socialists yeah, yeah. So, so what do you want to ask so so you you and david hasselhoff coming over but, the wall so david well, was the one that kid. brought you it down still, really you were, you were, <laughs> i mean i think he he genuinely I, believes that he was uh, a pivotal did. figure in the the, the the kind of collapse of communism and he brought down the wall really i mean he gets some credit but i just don't think he gets enough no definitely not you know. He's such a massive star in Germany, people don't realise it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, I mean, okay, he, so once we've acknowledged David's role, you were still a kid, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, I was so when were you born? You were born in... 83. 80. So I was, I was six when things started to... Well, I, I guess things started to change in like 82, but uh, the, the real fast change started in like 89 right so i was six but um obviously it was a gradual change and stuff so you know what were you kind of aware of as a kid you... it was nasty the communism there's no way to 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 kind of sell it to me anymore right? because no, I, I remember but... no I, I remember what was bad about communism so I remember my mum trying to buy cutlery or, or set of plates for the house, and then you had to wait in a queue to this, this government, whatever bureau official that kind of would allocate you a permission to buy it. So she had, and then the, and the queue was so long that it was overnight. So so it was formed of people in cars. So she slept in her car overnight to be able to be allowed to buy a set of plates the next day. My brother was brought up on, you know, powdered milk smuggled from West Germany that my, my parents had to buy from smugglers because there was just shortage of everything, you know. Uh, yeah, everything was, was bad, you know. It, it was just kind of... What was your know, hometown? Was I was from Warsaw. Warsaw, yeah. So I was probably more privileged than other people in Poland, right? Because Warsaw was... was it's kind of uh, we're, we're one of those countries where there's one big city and then there's a, there's a big economic gap between that city and the other. So ones. your your massive queues for bread were slightly shorter than elsewhere in Poland. Is that what you? I, I imagine that in other places there would be bigger shortages of bread in in, yeah. in, in Warsaw and the queues might be longer. Were there big queues? I'm just being huge, enormous. Yeah, it's just that the, the communism is queuing. Queuing. And then there's this whole kind of secondary market, you know, that you, 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 can, you can queue for somebody. So there were the people who are unemployed would make some extra dosh by just being professional queuers. Oh, really? That's, that's the extent of it, yeah. So you could get a job as a queuer? Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a job. It's, a, a, it's a, more of a gig. But, but you can... Yeah. But th this is now happening in Venezuela. You're laughing. But I, a friend of mine's mum, she uh, is a... She's a primary school headmistress, and she has a guy on a on a uh, on a retainer who queues for her. So he's he's got a motorbike, and she just gives him something to do, and he goes somewhere and then queues for five hours, and then kind of files something for her and stuff like that. Because otherwise, she would be in the queues for five hours every day. Yeah. So she has to have a guy who queues for her, and that's that's his job. He's gonna go somewhere, queues for five hours, and go somewhere else, queues for two and stuff. Communism is. is it's queuing. More queuing. <laughs> More queuing. So you guess she just thought this was normal though, right? As a kid. I, I, I think I was... Or, or did I, you, I, I was you seen the evidence of absence of queues from abroad? And I, no, I didn't travel much to the West till like I was the, six or seven. On the telly though? No, no, of course no. not. Come on. 
No, 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 no. The telly is, well, you know, the telly is full of propaganda. No, no, no. So no, you didn't the, get. It. But so, so we had three TV channels when I was growing up, and there were the two were the like you know, the, the Polish TV one, TV two, and then the third one was the Russian one. Do you know any? <laughs> a propaganda song you could oh loads of them yeah <laughs> I'm not going to sing them but, but I'll tell you what the funny one I was I think I'll get the kind of idea of what they'd be. I can imagine something in my head it's a sort of upbeat <laughs> but when I was growing up it was less comical than it was before because my dad showed me his high school books uh, from physics and, and, and they would go through every kind of invention in history and they would say you know, it is commonly believed that the light bulb was invented by Thomas Edison. However, prior to him, independently, in Soviet Union, the light bulb was invented by, you know, Ivan Ivanovich. And, and that, it was comical because it was every single invention, every single law. So, so you know, you, you say Newton's three laws of motion. No, 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 no. That's some other guy that invented all three of them before that. Haven't you you've done a bit of that? With, or me with Polish people, haven't you? What do you mean? I don't know. You've all these famous things that Polish people have invented. Have I? Because <laughs> I had a look. I had a look earlier on the like famous. You uh-huh. know, they've got these lists of famous people from various countries, and I had a look at Poland. Top five. Heard of all of them. Right. Who've we got? We got Pope. Marie um, Curie. Mary, yeah. Um, Maria Skłodowska Curie, as you should correctly no, yeah, call her. Incorrect. Um, and then a couple more. Then he got well, down to Roman Polanski, a bit rapey. Um, a bit dodgy, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, obviously, well, there's the Pope's, you know. So, so I think you, you, and you, then be, you'd probably start with the Marie Curie. Five, it was just names I couldn't pronounce. That was. I think you'd start with Marie Curie, yeah. right? Because she, she, she was probably the greatest. Then I would probably say Copernicus. Mm-hmm. And then, then you, 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 you're going to have a think about, you know, what's next. You know, we, we had some, some, some good ones. I, I'm probably going to bias toward mathematics and stuff like that. So I really appreciate the guys. So Poles were the first ones to break the enigma, despite the fact what the movies would make you oh, believe. Oh, right, okay. So you've been wrong. It, it, no, it's, it's, it's been mentioned, actually, in the, in, in the latest movie, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch, that the, 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 their kind of algorithm was based on the Polish design. Another interesting one that no, not many people know is, is this guy called Stanislav Ulam who actually holds the patent for the hydrogen bomb. So he was one of the, the, the kind of prominent mathematicians working on the Manhattan Project. But then I think if you ask most Polish people, they wouldn't know about it. But, but Do you think they're very proud people, Polish of the country? I think we're proud of our history. It's a, we're proud of the obstacles that we've overcome to exist. You know, like the, 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 there's a period where we disappeared from the map of Europe for 100, 123 consecutive years. And you know, so, so you can look at it as that, you know, there's probably like three generations could have been born and, and, and died without having a country. And yet, you know, the culture and the language survived. So it's, that's something, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a strong identity to, to be able to pull that off. So how old were you when you left? I was 18. And what were you thinking? What, you just got to get out of this place or... Oh, I, I, I think I just tasted the freedom a little bit. So I went to Spain for a year. Uh, and then studying, studying in Spain could not be more different than studying in Poland. I, so I loved traveling always. And I loved learning languages always. And kind of, um, we had, there we go. This is when I'm going to get into trouble. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so I applied for a scholarship to study in Spain in English, and they uh, and it was all going well. And at, at, some, at some point, they, they informed me that I can no longer go, and I was like, "Well, why is that?" And they said, "Oh, because you have to study in Spanish. They don't have haven't opened the course in in English." So I just put on the applications like, "No, no, no, I, I speak fluent Spanish." I so this said you spoke English well, or I spoke English all right. Yeah. Okay, and in Spanish. Zero. So you Nada. Just, so you, so you bl- did a little lie. A little lie. <laughs> and a mentirita. Mentirita. And uh, yeah, but my, my, my the guy in charge of the scholarship was not. <laughs> he couldn't. Um, he couldn't verify it. So I ended up going, and then it, it, it was amazing. You know, so you arrived there to do a, a course. What was the course? No, so it was, a, it was Erasmus. So it's kind okay. of like a, a year exchange abroad. Where but you're supposed to speak fluent Spanish already. Yeah, right? I didn't. No, no I had to learn right. over the summer. How um how 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 much did you have by the time you got there? Not very much. No, it was kind of very uh, very basic. Where but, you, you, where but, but, but the Spanish people are pretty chatty, so it's kind of yeah. this is one language that you can learn by osmosis and by chatting to people in Spanish because oh, they yeah. will they will chat to you. They're yeah. not like the French. I mean, I like I like the I like the French. No, I do. I like I like the people. I like the country, but they're, they're at, they've always they take the attitude. Yeah, you speak French, but mm. you, you you should speak it better. And they all they all try and test you. Whereas, whereas Spain and and Italy, they they're pleased you're making the effort. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah, don't yeah, mind yeah. that you're a bit rubbish. They'll they'll help you out. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. That's definitely. A, that, there's an attitude I've seen <coughs> this, so many times. There's this kind of curve where you, you know, at first you speak Spanish so badly that people kind of like don't talk to you because it's too much effort, and then you kind of then you are you're in the kind of sweet spot where you speak Spanish but so badly that it's cute, and that's when the mm. the, 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 the girls really like you. But then and then you get too good at it, and they think no, no, this guy this guy's Spanish is too too good, so he's probably been here for too long. Where were you, Madrid? Yeah. Amazing city. So you lied to get yourself to Spain. Yeah. Learned the Spanish. Then what? Yeah. Then I think it just kind of I really liked how different it was. I really liked the people. They were, you know, very very open, very energetic, very outgoing. You know, you, you instantly make a lot of friends. And the weather was significantly better than in Poland. So. I really liked it and then I came to Poland I had to do six more months to finish my undergrad and then I came to the UK why the UK oh because of Roger yeah because of Roger Gracie so when, at what point did jiu-jitsu become influential in your life in this so I started jiu-jitsu a year before I went to Madrid so, so, so it was it, it was very important to me very early very when, when I started so I did a year of jiu-jitsu before I went to Madrid and and kind of like going to Madrid was already driven by the fact that, I, you know what, Fabricio Verdum is in Spain. Uh-huh. I'm going to go and train with him. Because I could go, there's a few different places where I could have gone. So my, my university had this, this arrangement with uh, Copenhagen, with a couple of universities in Germany, Oxford Brooks and a couple of other ones. So, so my, you know, I thought Madrid, good weather, good jiu-jitsu. You know, maybe that's the the best one to go. And then afterwards, when I came back to Poland, I thought, well, where do I want to live? There's outside of Poland, and I thought, oh, UK would be pretty good. The other driving factor was the fact that my master's degree was not; they didn't open it because they didn't have enough candidates that year. So, had I not gone to study something, would have had to go to the army for a year, which is not fun. <laughs> so, is it still compulsory? Not anymore. No, no, no. no. I think they they they, they kind of like scrapped the compulsory one a few years after. Yeah. After mine, 
so it's like somewhere around 2006 I imagine but so the, when you did you started jiu-jitsu in Poland was wrestling a big thing there did people do that at school not in schools anymore no no not in schools but um although my my primary school did have a wrestling room so there was like a small room just with a wrestling mat just just for that so the this kind of the sport academies that teach you wrestling and stuff like that they were government-run state-sponsored so, so, you didn't so they were free so you didn't do i didn't do it because my mum didn't want me to have qualified years so you know my, my, my grandfather was a he was a wrestling referee and he was a president of the national wrestling federation so if anybody was meant to do wrestling that would be me but because my mum had to spend her weekends watching my grandpa referee wrestling matches and she hated the grunting and the qualified ears then me and my brother were forbidden from doing it so I'm looking at your ears now. They're not. <laughs> yeah. They're not the worst qualifiers. It was a difficult conversation with my mum when I showed up with a bandage around my ear. Did yours go? Oh, did yours happen one by one? So, so the first one happened accidentally. I was training with a guy who was a bit spazzy, and he accidentally kicked me in the head. I have very flexible ears, believe it or not, and, and I got kicked. But like the moment that he kicked me, it blew up. The 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 the, the, the kind of the person draining it didn't do a proper job and kind of after they've done it the first time it kind of lost its elasticity a little bit and uh, and from then onwards it's kind of started growing but I haven't you know touched wood haven't had a, any more since then so. do you find in your in your professional life because mm. you do a you know serious grown-up job mm. financy thing that I sort of I'd, I'd like to think so yeah how do the how do the ears Everybody thinks that you're a rugby player over here. So, so, so here people just assume that you that, play yeah. rugby, and then which over is, here which rugby is more is a, acceptable than, than rolling around fighting. De to, definitely to a lot yeah. of people. So normally, normally people just ask you what position you played. Is that, oh, mm. Did you play? Oh, I thought you'd be bigger. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, rugby man. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, in rugby, for whatever reason, is a of a posh sport so, so it's good yeah you know, so people look I at you and say, oh you so you play be, rugby oh, especially cool. in, in in west london you know there's yes. loads of you so you can legitimately be a, a good citizen <laughs> in the eye of these with, people with yet, funny um, ears. ears so you but then however when you travel it's but then but then i guess people if people know you a little bit professionally they'll know you're polish they might get talked to you they know you don't play rugby they know that you get it yeah. from scrapping with other men do they then because it used to be like when I was growing up, people doing martial arts was a little bit of a kind of, um, you know, it was a minority interest. And it's changed a lot now. But I don't I, know. If I, I don't think it ever held me back in, in, any, in any way. I think it was just a, a very, very good conversation starter a lot. Especially when I was traveling. When, the, when I went to Cuba, I probably had 20 random conversations just because people see your ears and you're obviously a gringo. So they kind of look at you and say, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, let, let me chat to you. So... And, and kind of professionally, I think it was along the same lines that people kind of assume that you do rugby and when you tell them that you don't do rugby, that you do something else, they're actually interesting in what you do and, and stuff. So I think in a bizarre way, it was, it was a good thing. You know, right? Yeah, I suppose it's interesting. They can tell you, I guess, that you're not a hooligan. Yeah, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to think so. Yeah. I think jiu-jitsu is quite civilised, really, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it is, it is, definitely. It's a cerebral sport. Because it's changed how gyms are completely, how you know, how, I th how martial arts gyms are for me. Well, I think even jiu-jitsu gyms have changed. You know, we are very, very kind of respectful. And, and however, like if you think about like how the jiu-jitsu gyms were in, in Brazil, you know, 
30 or 40 years ago that they had to have this kind of whole idea of gym invasions where one gym would like randomly invade the other gym and beat up everybody who was in it at the time it was a bit barbaric so I think we, we, we've gone past that and, and kind of now it's a very very mainstream sport and there's a lot of people who, who do it who are you know professionals actors you know people who, who need to have a pretty face yeah still do it so when you started you came to UK because of Roger Racy yeah Jim, but you did you did you know at this stage what what belt were you then were you I was still a blue belt blue belt yeah. But did you think at that stage you might do it because as well as your city job you own this gym, yeah, Richmond Fitness Club, the Roger Gracie Academy. So did you think at this blue belt stage that it might be something you would do like seriously like that? I definitely thought that you know like I definitely already knew that I was going to stick with the sport and I was going to do it long term. And I think probably like fifteen years ago. Jack and I, we already had a chat and, and we, we were saying how nice it would be to one day have our own gym. So th this was kind of, you know, a completion. So Richmond Fitness Club is a completion of a, of a 15, you know, a dream that was 15 years in the making, really. I was, ne I was never into teaching till I started teaching, really. And I never thought that I was going to be a teacher. But then I started doing it and I actually really enjoy it now. Because it's uh, it's a funny feeling when you some somebody that you taught something then uses what you taught him to win something, and you feel this kind of like this sense of pride from other person's achievement. Mm. So it's kind of you know unless you have kids, that's not easy to you know to come about. You I mean? think it's, I think there's so much value in 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 helping anyone to anything. But yeah, when you see someone do jujitsu and they've maybe they've never thought they'd do anything like that or they thought that mm. that chance to do that in their life has passed and to see them picking it up and getting into it oh, the, I mean, the, 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 there's loads of stories where where that kind of put the smile on your face and, and you know people winning competitions is one of them right but then you have other ones where there's one guy who you know who's pretty bad with alcohol and all of a sudden starts doing jiu-jitsu and and goes clean and you know, uh, wins against his addiction. There's like another person who calls you up and says, oh, I was walking home by myself, I got, you know, attacked by some guy and she was able to defend herself mm. thanks to jiu-jitsu. So, so you, you get, you know, once every while you get these kind of, uh, these kind of good stories of somebody, you know, that, that, you, that you've had a positive impact on somebody's life just because you taught them something. It's pretty yeah. cool. You know, like it definitely gives you a lot of pleasure as, you know, as a teacher to, you know, when people, when, when you see that you're, what you're teaching them has a positive impact on their life. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it seems to be anyone that, anyone that doesn't hate it and immediately leave, and anyone who mm. can stay more than a, a few classes, other than you know inevitable injuries that you get, it seems to have a huge positive impact on everybody. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can't think of a single person who, you know, whose life fell apart because of jiu-jitsu. I think it's always, you know, it's always been a very, very positive impact. I mean, when I think about myself, like what, what a positive force jiu-jitsu has been in my life. So I went to finance because one of my best mates from jiu-jitsu was a finance guy. And I started spending time with him and he kind of taught me about you know, how banking, finance and all that stuff works. So that's why I ended up in finance. You know, I ended up in the UK so I went to Spain and learned Spanish because I wanted to learn Jiu-Jitsu in Spain and I kind of, kind of came to UK you know because you know I wanted to work here but also because that was the best Jiu-Jitsu available in Europe at the time 
I think still is. So it's had an enormously positive effect on my life, and 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 also in a, in a way that I've evolved as a person. So I was actually talking to somebody today about this, and, and I said like my ability to remain calm under stress, under you know, is all due to jiu-jitsu. You know, that's not a skill that I acquired in any other way. And it's very, very important in finance to be able to do it, you know, especially when you're when you're day trading or doing anything that, that requires you to think clearly under pressure. You know, that that is something that I've learned from jiu-jitsu. Well, what is it, do you think, uniquely about jiu-jitsu that gives you that rather than... So, well, jiu-jitsu is as close as you can get to a kind of real fight without kind of having serious damage to your body on a daily basis, right? So... So in jiu-jitsu, you spar at almost 100%, right? So it's a very, very high intensity in a controlled way that you, you don't get injured, right? I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to box at the intensity that we do jiu-jitsu on, you know, on a daily basis because you, you'd be concussed constantly. And, and it's a very, very cerebral sport where you have to kind of solve problems, figure out ways out of situations, you know, under pressure where somebody is attacking you constantly. So I think it's uh, maybe not unique but it's it's it kind of like puts you in those situations constantly so the, the amount of repetitions that you're, you're you're constantly under under threat and you constantly have to fight your way out of it and, what, and the and way what? that you have to do it i think perhaps the, the way i have to do it is you have to remain calm right because if you start spazzing out then you you you, you kind of lose energy and and, and kind of and lose right? and there's nothing more real than not be able to breathe anymore yeah you know, exactly if, yeah. And, and and that feeling of you can't breathe, that's when you panic. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, if, so if somebody choking you, you know, like panicking is the mm. worst thing you can do because then you, you're going to run out of oxygen faster, right? So you almost have to kind of almost calm yourself down and slow down your breathing as you're escaping, mm. which is very, very counterintuitive. But. I think you do, because you, maybe without realising it as well, because things that you do in jiu-jitsu, as you say, you can be can be on the point of passing out yeah. in in wider life in professional situations you're I'm very aware of how much time you've got for everything mm -hmm. you know so if someone's talking to you someone's asking you questions you're like okay well you know okay you can ask me a question mm -hmm. I might not know the answer but I've got you know you're in no physical threat you've got time to think about it. everything's yeah. okay most of the things people panic about like you know speaking to people potentially embarrassing yourself they're okay really they're not mm -hmm. They're not things you have to fret about. But I think because because most people don't have real things to worry about in their daily life, they don't do something where they're under physical threat, they kind of, you recalibrate yourself to worry about shitty little slights, you know, and like people bumping into you and, and things that things that aren't important. I think people... It definitely puts things into perspective. Like, I mean, lowers your ego. That, you know, the moment that you show up in a jiu-jitsu gym and like a 50-kilogram scrawny skinny guy chokes you out five times in four minutes and kind of like just puts things into perspective and you mm. know, like takes you your ego down either, a notch you either do what half of people do and never come back <laughs> yeah possibly yeah. yeah it's true that a lot of people just they don't like it they don't it's not for everyone they don't come back I think it's, it's definitely not for everyone I mean there, there's some people who just like I can't imagine a germaphobe doing jiu-jitsu you know, like, there are yeah I mean everyone has those moments where they think yeah <laughs> Yes, sometimes it can be distasteful, but... You know, did a dude really need to wear a singlet? You know? <laughs> singlet should yeah, not be should allowed. Not be allowed. <laughs> should not be allowed. Uh, yeah. Are you back training full strength now? Yeah, getting, getting there, getting there. Yeah. I've got to force myself to take some time out, well, unfortunately. What have you done? 
my old injury. You know, my, which, which one? You know, it? I broke my legs oh, years yeah. ago. Uh -huh. um, do you want me to show you my uh, my uh, X-ray? Oh well, when it grows yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna grab it and I'm unplug myself. Jesus. So is, the, so is this? Is this like the X-ray of your? Well, so ankles or was this yeah it was giving me i mean you could you could argue you, how are you you're not squeamish i you could argue that doing leg locks and things possibly isn't the best idea so is that what you used to be no that's it that's it is what it is yeah, that's it now so you still have those yeah. you still have those all those bolts in your leg <laughs> yeah and a couple of them see look that, are, they, are they gonna take them out that one there's snapped you can see the bolt snapped yeah oh wow i think a couple of them here have possibly come loose <laughs> so it's giving me it's, it's giving me quite a little bit of yeah do you have a listen to it oh nice oh. so um so yeah i've got to take some time off guess what the doctors say don't do it <laughs> They said like take they aspirin. Yeah, they said. Well, you know anything. You know, there's the old joke, doctor, doctor. Uh, that's when I go like that. <laughs> Don't go like that. Then I've I've had doctors say exactly those things to me. You, know, you just it's such a such thing hurts. Don't do it then. Yeah. But obviously, if you mention doing contact sports and show them that, they they I'm showing Tommy a picture of my <laughs> my X-ray. They they tend to want you to get out of their office because. <laughs> But no, I think I need to get it fixed. That's all right. So I'm having a few um, few weeks where I do some yoga and consider my so, options. So are they going to take those out, the, the ones that are loose or what? I'll just explain. I mean, this bit here. This but these are loose, right? What's, what's, well, what's with those? I've not yet seen a specialist. So this is just, I mean, this is a, an x-ray from casualty. And um, so I've got to go and see a, a specialist who's going to work out what they can do with it. Mm. Cut it off. Jeez. Get me a new one. So yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to uh, take it easy. I did, but it's, I like, it's, like, it's I a standard doctor manoeuvre to just tell you stop doing whatever you're doing. Like, so whenever you get injured, unless you go to a sport doctor that has the appreciation for the fact that you want to get back to training as quickly mm. as possible. But if you tell them that you're just doing it for fun, you know, like the moment that you get injured, they say like, well, take 30 days off and, and then kind of like rest it, ice it, take aspirin. Yeah. And then I think that's it's kind of almost like a avoidance of responsibility on this side a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Just, just take, I told them to kind of take it. It's a very, very risk-averse way of, of dealing with a problem. This is like, oh, you know, nobody, nobody's going to hold, hold the doctor responsible for, for you know, nobody's going to say that he was wrong when he told you to rest. Exactly, they've done their due diligence. Yeah, so. But for me, that, I mean, I did that 10 years ago and I had kind of six years of being kind of a lesser person and not being back to full strength and then thinking, fuck it, let's see what I can do, starting jujitsu and mm. my life being so much better, would I have snapped the screws quite so quick? I don't know, maybe not, but I'm certainly not regretting starting and I'm certainly not gonna stop. So, you know, yeah. I'm just, I'll just get it fixed as best I can. And, then, and, then, and as soon as they can give you new ones, I'm, I'm front of the queue. <laughs> it can't be that long. No, hopefully. Should be, should be, should be soon enough. You know? Yeah, I mean, they did those monkey head transplants in the seventies. Yeah, my, didn't my, they? my boss is, spoke to my boss, well, my former boss, who, who just got 
cleared of cancer and I was like oh how are you doing and he goes oh yeah I'm just waiting for it till I can transfer my consciousness to a cyborg body hopefully it's going to be in the next few years I'm like but that's kind of how it's going to be you know that's probably the first time they transfer somebody's consciousness to a cyborg body that cyborg is going to be like one of those kind of little vacuum cleaners robots and it's just kind of be like, kind of like a little box that's just going to be oh, right. bouncing off the walls you know and that's going to be you you're going to be trapped in that box and all you can do is vacuum somebody's room so what you got to get them you got to wait till they got a decent robot i think so otherwise it's just a little metal wanna, mickey do, do you want to be somebody's vacuum cleaner <laughs> as soon as you've got a cyborg body nb not just a little vacuum cleaner. What's yeah. that cool? If you can think about it, <laughs> but surely the vacuum. <laughs> my, my brilliant mind for this. <laughs> how, imagine how trapped you're going to be and how desperate you're going to be to get out of this. Like, yeah. I went to uni, I've got a master's degree, and all I'm doing is vacuuming this room. I think we've done pretty well in terms of we, not disgracing ourselves too yeah. badly. What do you think? I, I think mean, it was all right. Still yeah. time you could add in, like, if you want to. Yeah. Yourself keep, yourself. From, keep yourself from being deported. Yeah, don't get not, not anymore. Not anymore. Because you lived in Spain, right? I was in Madrid yeah. for a while. You've left a country, Poland, uh-huh. come to a country, England. Because I've never been to Poland, right? I mean, yeah. I've lived in Ealing, okay. so I mean, I get, I get the general yeah, impression. Pretty, pretty Polish. Yeah. yeah. Um, they seem to be people very much like us. So, you know, like pale-skinned people that like to drink and maybe... Have a little fight, friendly fight. Whereas your your Spaniard, very different. Very, very different. So, do you think? I mean, you said you came here because of various professional reasons, but do you think partly coming to a country that you've, it's a it's a bit like your home, isn't it? Poland, <sighs> England. Yeah, We're similar, a, aren't we? A little bit, but, but you know, like, well. but 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 that that wasn't the impression that I had about the UK when I came here. Because when you learn English in Poland, they they give you this impression that all Brits wear suits and bowler hats and carry an umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have this very, very skewed view of what British people are like. Very skewed. For for instance, everybody kind of makes you believe that all Brits speak this incredible, you know, the the received (laughs) pronunciation, this Queen's English thing. And nothing could be further away from the truth. So I I arrived, first time I arrived in, in, in London, I was staying in Upton Park. And then the kind of the shock that you have, that you have people speaking to you in English and you can't understand anything they're saying, you go like, wow. Mm. You know? They've lied to us. They've lied to us. They, this, they, this they, f- they talk, you know, they teach you how different groups of things animals are called. I, remember, like, I even remember those pictures that you've presumably seen of people in bowler hats and stuff. I, I remember seeing those too. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it was a bit more, I think it was a bit more... <laughs> <laughs> when I lived here, and you go, oh, I guess that's what we are like. Do you I've own, never do you own a bowler hat? I, 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 mean, I, I guess the photo is behind a bit, but I, may, I guess there were some in the. But even then, it was probably just a photo of some city gents or something, wasn't it? It wasn't like everyone was done up like that. Yeah, I guess so. But you yeah. know, people weren't out in the out in the country. People weren't dressed like no, that. No, 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 no. So was it, were you disappointed when you got here and found we were all sloppy and pissed all the time like you? I think I was, I was a bit shocked that I couldn't understand what people were saying. That was, that was a sad thing. Yeah. It was like, everybody calls you mate. It's not something that they teach you in school. Like mate, no. They skip that word altogether. They just kind of, so they, they, they teach you this kind of, I don't know, the job interview English kind of. 
instead of teaching you the, the real one, like, you know, how to order whatever you want in a chicken uh, shop, oh, you know, oh, <laughs> it couldn't be further away. Uh, yeah, I think, like, I think culturally we're very, very similar. I think Polish and Irish were even more similar than Polish and Irish. See, the, just the Polish people just blended in brilliantly here. They're, like, they're just like, you know. I think, I think we do, you know, we, we do a decent job. We're pretty nice people, you know, like culturally we're so, we're so mellow. I like to tell that we're, I like to say that we're Russian light. You know, like You're the one who explained the, the grumpy face thing to me, aren't you? Which one? About, well, um, I mean, let's say, look, how, how friendly your Spaniard is. Again, uh-huh, and yeah. then we're, okay. we're either, either side. But Polish people, if anything, possibly slightly less smiley than us. Yeah. You, you, you were saying that it's because it, it would be regarded with suspicion when you were... Yeah, you were yeah. Going, yeah. Right? So, so, so if you're, if you're smiling and nobody said anything funny, people would think that you're a simpleton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you smiling for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was like, well, which was funny. It was, it was exactly what was happening in Spain. People were like, oh, why are you not smiling? I was like, why should I be smiling? It was like, have you said something funny for me to smile? It's like, if I stand here smiling and you, you know, and there's nothing to smile about, you're going to think that I'm dumb. And people were like, oh, no, I won't. I suppose I've heard about, about this country that people from other countries find it strange that people don't make eye contact with them. But oh. then they maybe don't understand that Growing up here, eye contact is a bad thing, because it yeah, but because here it would lead to the to the the fight starting line of what you staring at, what you staring yeah, yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. So you, know, oh, you, you don't you don't go line. around you don't make eye contact unless there's a reason to do so. You know, I guess it's that thing. You know, you what can you, you keep your own business? Yeah, and the public transport is a comical situation here, right? Because obviously there's like so many people in in in, in very very confined space. And yet, it's this unwritten rule that you do not talk to anybody. You do not make eye contact with anyone. It's just this kind of this idea that you're you're, you're trying to be as isolated as you possibly can in a room, you know, in a small space full of people. Right? Yeah. You're like, no, I'm here by myself. There's nobody else here. But yeah, then London's a lot different from the rest of the country. Anyway, it is. Like yeah. You know, you, you don't in the middle of London. You don't talk to talk no, to anyone. No. Whereas out in the yeah. the more villagey you get, the more yeah, no, no, that definitely. That's probably definitely, true. London's London's very, very different than the rest of the country. But yeah, yeah I think well, I like it here, man. Oh, I think it, pe- people are very, very friendly, and it's such a cosmopolitan city. I think it's a, you know, which was so you know, if you think about Brexit, and if you think no, no, about no, we can't, we can't talk about that anymore. No, no, no we, yeah, no, yeah, we can. Yeah. We we. No, but that, I think what, what makes it this upset, what makes this city great is is it's how cosmopolitan it is. I think. Yeah, um, and it would be a shame if it wasn't. The I case. just don't. It's not going to change. No. I mean, what, what this is this will be as long, this will be as long and boring a political story as it needs to be until they just sort it out. Yeah, and then it's not it's not going to be suddenly sending foreign people home. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous idea, and we've never sent anyone home anyway. We don't do that, it's, we don't, it's fine. It's all going to be good, it's all, fine. it's all going to be good. I mean, it's good that you've got your you know, your whatever you got your badge from the Queen, or do you get a physical? Uh, you, you, got a, you get a diploma, you get, you yeah, diploma. you got a diploma, you got, a, you got you got a that, certificate but. of citizenship, and you get to uh, get a picture with the mayor. So, I have the picture of the, with the mayor of Richmond, it's a fantastic Didn't guy, and very, very funny. Yeah. I didn't know a mayor. Yeah, there's a mayor of Richmond, yeah. It, who was, is it, who, is it a man or a lady? It's, 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 it's a man. 
I'm not sure what his name is. But no, did not know he had one. Yeah, he yeah, did. Was it gold chain or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold chain and a, a it's called a gown. Really? Yeah, yeah, he shows up. Yeah, white gloves. Was he nice? Did he? Yeah, very friendly. Oh, funny guy, cracking jokes during the ceremony. It was good. Did you invite anyone along? Or? Did Mark went? Did came he? along? Yeah, <laughs> Re- recorded the whole thing. Oh. Kind of hoping that he would show, show up in his traditional African robes, but he didn't. No. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's. Uh, it, it was good. It was a good ceremony. You you pledge allegiance to the monarch, and then you. As we all. You have a we pledge all feel of strongly allied I'm, to I'm the a, monarch. As I am a very very uh, yeah devout royalist now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Fit right in. Yeah, I was always surprised by the UK that you guys haven't gotten rid of it, but, you know, yeah, well, just, like a I normal, why can't you get rid of the monarchy, yeah, like a normal country? We're done with getting rid of stuff, it's all fine, just let it tick along. It's all, with, it's yeah, all good it's now, all good. It's nothing fine. to worry about. Just don't change anything, just, just don't ask it. too many questions. Yeah. Right, Tom, we've got to wrap it up, man. Yeah? Pleasure for good. doing oh, it. Oh, mate, pleasure's all, all mine. Hopefully you get enough interesting stuff out of it you can you can botch something together yeah. <laughs> cut a few bits out and cut a few bits out and it's just good man thank you uh, pleasure man thank you very much for listening for those of you who are already into jiu-jitsu i'm putting out another podcast and accompanying video with advice from sensei tommy on how to be better but I'm getting the leg fixed, so it's all going to be fine one way or another. If it's fact, fix it and get on with stuff. Thank you for listening.